Today is the ninth day of October, 2014, and we are very pleased to have Dr. Alok Pandey with us. Greetings, Alok. You know, it is a time in the world's history of great violence. We have genocides in Africa, we have Israel-Palestine, we have Russia, we have uh, ISIS, and I think it would be good, Alok, if you could share with us uh, your thoughts and uh, intuitions on this terrorism and the cult of violence. Most appropriate time, I think, to be yes. speaking of this <clears throat> subject. Not to forget the um, border firings going on. <laughs> yes, yes. In India and Pakistan. <clears throat> Actually, there are a number of uh, angles to the problem, and instead of uh, looking at it in the usual way, we will. Um, try to take a look at it in Shurabindu and the mother's light. One of the interesting things that Shurabindu reveals to us is about the collective dimension of yoga which is going on in earth. This is something very interesting and uh, it, um, I think after the Gita, this is the first time this truth has been emphasized. The Gita speaks of the collective march of mankind. And just as there are individual forces which um, help or hinder an individual's evolution, so also there are cosmic forces which help and hinder the collective evolution of mankind. And uh, during the time when a new harmony has to come and the old harmony, the old order, the old settled disorderly order of things, if I may say so, that gets broken, then these forces suddenly rush in. All kinds, forces that are there to uplift the evolution to the next scale and forces that come to block it, they pull down, they resist the change. And obviously it's a moment of great crisis for Earth and their dance is within, around, outside, everywhere. And when we speak about Pockets like ISIS, Israel-Palestine, Indo-Pakistan, um, Afghanistan, Africa, other places. It's a spillover of what's going on deep inside the collective uh, parts of human consciousness. Now if we really look into these forces and how they come about, maybe we can touch upon that a little later. As Shubindo says, everything in its origin has a divine origin. Destruction too has a divine origin. This is something uh, um, very interesting and uh, it's there in Indian thought. The mother and Shobinda have spoken about it. But the difference is that in, in the divine consciousness, destruction is a destruction of past, of ignorance, of all that is dark, of all that obstructs. But it's a power that originates in the divine. It originates with a specific purpose. But like all powers, when this enters the human arena, human consciousness, 
it becomes a power which is at the disposal of the human ego and that creates one kind of disorder in the world even the most beautiful things like religion which came to uplift mankind when they are at the mercy of the human ego the human ego uses them for its own expansion aggrandization for an empire building for satisfaction of the ego and desire god is almost turned into a you know someone who will readily grant all that we want and wish for so this is uh, what happens uh, at the human level now these forces also which came down on earth and they had a role to play shobindra speaks of it that the titans and the gods both have needed the earth they were needed to um, you know hard crust of matter it is first the titan who comes and prepares the earth and in indian myths there is ample um, you know um, stories about it for instance kansa first comes and he prepares the way for krishna and paradoxically how does he prepare it he prepares it he wants to stifle the birth of krishna but strangely he helps in the advent you know there is a beautiful line in savitri both love and death conspire towards one mm. great end yes and by its pressure the pressure of the titan who who you know tries to ruin and plunder the earth it awakens in the earth in aspiration and even a uh, receptivity to the new forces you know i am reminded of uh, one of the mother's um, early talks on the war in the first great war so she had been as we know she had been to the border areas she had seen people coming in hundreds in trains and uh, various means and she was tending to the sick and caring for them that aspect of the mother which is full of care and compassion and then she says uh, that i can see that deep behind all this it is kali and rudra who is working to who are working to demolish a whole past but at the same time i see that these forces go out of control and what they become in the human consciousness and how even their action at after a point of time begins to go overboard and uh, we have myths like that where kali goes overboard in a destruction and somebody else has to step in the divine has to step in to stop and we know how mother had to step in when kali was going on destroying paris at the same time she says that because of these uh, effect of these forces these soldiers who have valiantly fought on the battle fronts they have become extremely receptive to the divine consciousness and just a little opening and they are ready to respond so this uh, process that is going on upon earth is a form of yoga and therefore it's a very very complex uh, process and defies any over simplistic understanding that you know there are some bad guys out there and there are some good guys <laughs> that's our uh, very common human notion and we have to rise far far above the sense of good and bad virtue and vice to really have a true assessment of it nevertheless um, darkness confusion um, hostility all this has been part of human life uh, for a very long time Shubindra says that uh, war and rapine and murder and slaughter has been human beings past time and if we look just a few hundred years back mm. uh, well uh, why what to speak of human beings prophets were not spared uh, children of god were not spared and how humanity has treated them and treated each other uh, as if quarrel has been a way of life 
Now this uh, from an evolutionary perspective is straight away uh, a hangover of the past. Uh, a past which when we were just uh, little animals beginning to grow into human humanness, uh, the crocodile, the dinosaur or the ghost of dinosaur, uh, they were there in human consciousness and it was a way of life. I mean when we look at the life of the gladiators or the kings who took arbitrary decisions, uh, massacred people for you know just to expand their empire uh, you know uh, in India at least there is a record of such things for instance Parsuram who has to uh, demolish an entire clan of Kshatriyas because they were power hungry and uh, to destroy to uh, meaningless destruction I'm speaking of that the kind terrorism represent it was just a way of life now this over a period of time has to be resolved and I think it has entered the last phase of its ultimate resolution. It has the last citadel of resistance which um, earth or which is being offered you know before the earth can um, as Shobindo says raise a fairer brow in, in that famous mm -hmm. poem mm -hmm. in the moonlight where he says the iron age is ended only now the last fierce spasms of a dying past shall shake the nations and when that has passed, earth vast of its ills shall raise a fairer brow. So it's being purged. These are like deep inside the leavings, the, the, all that has, you know, I take this example. We often, when we look outside and see the waste that comes out of human body, we find it horrible, stinking, and we stay away from it forgetting that we carry it all the time inside our bodies. But this is the way that human consciousness first responds. It looks at the extreme forms of violence outside and develops a strong revulsion inside against it. It's a disgust that we feel at some level for something which is deep inside hidden in our own recesses. And this gives the key actually to the change. Uh, to take a very a different way of looking at it, uh, forms of extremism, of course, ISIS is a extremely dark phenomenon. Hitler, we know, uh, represented almost like, as the mother has said, uh, an incarnation of um, the the falsehood. And uh, very interestingly, I was reminded when this ISIS phenomenon was going on, that when somebody asked her that uh, you know Hitler, uh, with the death of Hitler. Uh, Hitler had obviously died. Yes. So uh, now you know the earth will be free, something to that effect. She says, no, 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 it's not as simple as that. Because the entity takes hold of others. And then we have Stalin. Yeah. Stalin. <laughs> Stalin. And even after that, so uh, recently somebody was actually comparing ISIS uh, and the Hitler phenomena. So one drew many parallels. So obviously these forces will continue to manifest in earth till they are resolved inside the human consciousness. And that is a real challenge. Now as we work it inside the results will come outside. So that's how the yogi has to work. There will be human instruments which will you know work at the outer level but there have to be people who work it inside. You know there are several examples. Once when somebody went and asked the mother this there in Narayan Prashad's life in Shurabindu Ashram. That mother, there is so much dishonesty and evil and corruption. Uh, I feel stifled. What do I do? So he, he was obviously a public servant and he didn't know how to handle it. Mother said, look inside yourself and find out where there is in you a dishonest element and work upon it. It will have a ripple effect.
Now it sounds very strange, but if you really take a close look at uh, well extremism which has roots in religion, we have extremism which has roots in ideologies, even ideologies which don't believe in God. Sometimes they are much worse kinds of you know extremism. And if we look at our own thought process, we will see there is extremism even in human thought and feelings. Uh, I mean, it can go to such levels where, uh, I mean, I know of a man just very recently who uh, tells his wife that you must uh, believe that I am Narayana. <laughs> and <laughs> so far it's okay. But he says, you listen to everything that I say. And he doesn't allow her to go out, doesn't allow her to voice her opinions, views, feelings. Now, this is, what is the difference between ISIS and this? It's a matter of degree. But if you look at the root phenomena, the root is the same. Yes. So now because of the pressure of the yoga on the earth consciousness, because it has to undergo a change, we see this emerging outside as a spillover. It's the poison. And um, uh, there are two interesting stories that come to my mind with regard to this. One, of course, is um, uh, a story which is from the Indian myth. Um, you know, in Sagar Manthan, in the churning of the great ocean, the titans and the gods come together. And uh, interesting part is that before the nectar of immortality, the extreme poison, Kalkut, that comes out. And it's so poisonous, its fumes, that even the gods can't bear it. The titans can't bear it. Titans hold that poison inside them. But they can't bear it. The gods too can't bear it and they all run. And it's only just few human beings, uh, not, not human beings, rather few creatures, the snakes, they absorb it and Shiva who absorbs it. So what these snakes are, these uh, hostile beings and asuras who have actually swallowed this poison and are vomiting it out. And Shobindo says something very strange that, uh, you know, they have done a very... Um, they have swallowed this bitterness inside and to that extent they have become pockets and reservoirs who have swallowed it inside them and lot of earth is free of that. So that is one kind of uh, look at them. That doesn't mean one has to sympathize. Obviously that has to be destroyed. But destroyed with a luminous understanding of the ways of God's working. And then Shiva drinks the poison. One more uh, story and then we'll... Blue-throated. Yeah, yeah blue-throated. That's right. Nilkant. And the other is uh, very interesting that if we, from the Indian perspective, we see the evolutionary, collective evolutionary stories uh, em embodied in the Ramayana and the Mahabharata. In Ramayana, uh, the good guys are, you know, in Ayodhya, one place, and uh, the bad guys are in Lanka. So there are clear pockets. And they have to at some point meet, there is a whole story, occasion arises, they have to fight and uh, evil is destroyed and good has won. You know, we recently had a celebration of uh, Ravana's day, uh, strangely leading to stampede and all kinds of things. And sometimes it's a paradox because while that Ravana is burnt, all the political Ravanas are sitting and watching gleefully, <laughs> swollen heads. Then in Krishna's time, they are both in the same cooler. The, the good guys and the bad guys, they are in the same family and they have to sort it out. In Shurabindu's time, they are not even in the same family, but in the same heart. So I think um, uh, this phenomena which is occurring all over compels us to think. And it compels us to come together and join in a common effort. 
and what is that common effort that we don't want this you know that cry which uh, um, I think one of the Beatles music which started with we want no education cry for change then of course that famous song of John Lennon uh, where he speaks about the children of tomorrow uh, now you know all this like Kansa and Krishna myth it awakens in earth an aspiration deep inspiration what is humanness is this what is what we are as a species uh, is it something that is part of us and then the action outside is always at some level simultaneously coterminous with an action inside some are conscious of it that when we destroy ISIS outside we are also somewhere destroying this tendency in human nature which wants to expand to you see now many countries they know that we cannot just expand the way you know and uh, I must say America became a wonderful instrument uh, for this whole process whatever people may think about it so many countries otherwise um, maybe just a century back expansionism was a way of life I mean UK which is today now you know uh, so saintly <laughs> hundred years back imperialism the name yes. was different Alexander the Great nobody said you are doing something wrong and did things happen which were any better than ISIS maybe little variation here and there people were dying they were being destroyed they were only some change but look at the way humanity has evolved and that's what is fascinating that if you just look a hundred years back one nation possessing another was justified it's the same phenomenon ISIS says we are the superior ones because we are the chosen ones of God but a similar phenomena was taking place with United Kingdom of course few voices were there which were beautiful voices uh, you know taking many nations under its wings under the same logic we are superior and therefore we have a right of course uh, there would be certain differences ISIS is an extreme form brutal rabid right from the bubbles of the earth but shades of that terrorism shades of that darkness can be seen everywhere in human consciousness and I think the fact that they have come out so much in the open unlike those times hundred years back today humanity in its large bulk is rejecting it partly social media whatever outer means mm -hmm. but I think it's a change in human consciousness and that is something wonderful and even among the Muslims you know uh, this kind of extremism obviously um, it's it's there unfortunately uh, a decadent side of Islam not that Islam has everything bad in it and I think one solution is that Islam should also rediscover its own beauty what really happened in its heydays and there have to be instruments which also speak about the beautiful side so that one understand that it's not about the outer jihad but an inner jihad and for a change after the ISIS uh, very interestingly such voices are beginning to arise uh, at least in India yeah. even recently the Prime Minister he made a very interesting remark and observation and people are beginning to say that no this is not what Islam is about and I think this is something very beautiful this may be few voices and I think they are wonderful voices um, even today's news we see that in Pakistan people um, have been speaking that you know speaking up in Pakistan occupied Kashmir this is just afternoon news that we don't want jihadis we don't want terrorism it's bad 
it is not done good to us it's nice to be our now you know all this what is the sad part is unfortunately all this is needed for us to awaken <laughs> we could have followed a sunlit path but that's a different story altogether that you know we could have followed a sunlit path but humanity prefers unfortunately this strong dose this blow of rudra forces sweeping down upon earth and then we have some aspiration for peace harmony unity love that's the sad part with the advent of the supermental mother makes the comment very powerful comment about before dying falsehood rises up yes could you comment on Yes, that of course seventy-two, and yes, it was in yes. response to yes. I think Huta's uh, letter where she asked that yeah. uh, mother all around I see falsehood, and she says before dying falsehood rises to its uh, full yeah. swing. Yeah. Uh, but she also says that we must have the certitude of truth, final victory, uh, because falsehood in a certain sense cannot last because it does it's not something eternal. That's something very uh, interesting. So, of course, there is an occult side of this statement. Uh, as we know, one of the work that the mother uh, and Shurvindo undertook was to this time change the strategy and instead of destroying the embodiments of evil, to transform the forces that uh, you know used human beings as instruments. And there are a number of stories of the mother. Uh, one example at an individual level. Before we come to it, uh, we know Chinmay very sweet at one level, but. Uh, Uh, Chinmay from uh, that um, Sayyid uh, Haider's family from the Nizam of Hyderabad, uh, one of the daughters, and a wonderful girl at one level, very sweet, very gentle. But at another level, she used to harbor these strong, destructive impulses. Would want to push the mother, and when somebody asked, uh, "Why do you tolerate her?" and mother said, uh, "You know, if she goes out into the world, it will be a far greater havoc." so she brought these forces near her and with what compassion they dealt this is just an aside but just to show how mother and shubhin the world mother says once and once only mother had slapped her because you know it was to drive away these forces it's not obviously a her slap is mahakali's grace that's how um, amrit and others received it but shubhin the says uh, said and mother speaks of it in the agenda you ought not to have done it and then she gives this example of shirvindu's compassion at how even towards this he was compassionate so basically the same thing with these forces um, you know these four great asuras they came to her at different points of time and they were connected with her physical life some of them surrounded her very closely and she had taken upon herself to convert them of course she speaks uh, about her own life also yes. and how uh, one of them was closely connected and in spite of his trying to do all kinds of things to her she still wanted that he should be converted and there is a touching prayer of the mother that since man refused the meal and that prayer you know refers to this being and this this man who was an embodiment of this asura and he refused the conversion and the mother offers it back and she says i had given my promise to the lord she says to change him but nevertheless she continued this effort and uh, that's where one of the asuras who came to her was asura of falsehood and he said i know you are going to win i know that you are going to be all victorious but before i surrender to you i want to do as much 
create as much havoc as I can. Something to that effect. Yes. And the mother said, all right. And you know, if one looks at that, the power contained in these words, all right, one just wonders. And one may wonder that why didn't she just uh, straight away snub him off and said, no, how dare you do it? But that's where the beauty of the divine action goes. Uh, sometime um, in the ashram, we have a disciple asking mother, mother, so and so, why do you allow him to be here? You know, when people come here, they misguide them saying all kinds of things. And yet you have kept them here. Mother laughs and says, yes, yes, it is a test of people's sincerity. Will they stay even after that? Now, you know, that all right, it is with such a force of almightiness. As Shubhindu says, only the omnipotent can afford to become weak. Now, who will become an instrument? Those in whom that concealed possibility is there. What happens when they express this possibility? They bring it out in the open. They vomit it out. They get relieved. And there is a chance for that to be worked upon. So I suppose when she allowed um, uh, this falsehood to have its free play, well, well, that's what is meant by rising to its full swing. Mm. Uh, and why she wouldn't destroy that also, she said, my child, if I were to do, I were to do it, the earth would be destroyed because who among you can say that he or she doesn't have some trace of falsehood? So <laughs> that is the other problem that, you know, to destroy falsehood, um, at its roots means the, the whole earth would fall flat. So she has allowed this time the play to reach to its utmost brink. In Savitri again in that uh, canto, the issue, uh, Shivindo says, where the game of games is played to its breaking point. So this is the game of games she came to play this time that let's see to what extreme, to what extent you can go with all your freedom. And uh, well, as long as human beings, obviously, to start with, we see that there were two great wars, falsehood all around. And then, of course, the allies stepped in. And then subsequently, slowly, slowly, they are getting more and more confined and isolated. So today we have ISIS and these few, you know, uh, countries, mostly around the Middle East uh, and Africa, uh, who are, you know, some countries there who are, uh, you know, almost this extreme form is represented uh, of something which is part of human consciousness. But we also see, and that's the interesting part, that large masses of humanity standing up against it. And that is the interesting part for me. And that is the yes. spin-off. Uh, and that's how the Titan eventually, by compressing the Earth's, uh, you know, neck, it uh, creates in it a receptivity and anguish and a cry for the divine in different ways and and if not it will become more and more intense but let's hope not in savitry he also speaks about how they wept these beings oh wept. yes 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 Please. when narada comes down uh, from the celestial worlds where grief is not <laughs> so as he comes uh, when there is no grief he is only chanting the name of uh, vishnu you know, we have Aditya Sahasranam, the thousand glorious names of Vishnu. But when he comes on earth, approaches, he is touched by the uh, sphere of sorrow and suffering, uh, you know, what is called as Martalok, the sphere of death, and its sting, its pain, its pang. And he begins to speak of Vishnu and the births, the avatar. 
and as he sings that the lord comes becomes matter takes upon himself is the burden of suffering and you forces do not worry he will redeem this earth and therefore the demons wept with joy and as he sang the demons wept with joy knowing their end so near which they had hoped they had wanted it and that's how you know there is a story in uh, again how indian myths uh, have seen these things uh, you know in ravana's tale this is how it is recounted that they were um, i mean these stories represent what where is the origin of extremism and how it gets resolved so the story goes that um, there are two um, gate keepers of the lord vishnu jay and vijay so uh, once one of the rishis is trying to enter and they ask him his identity card and gate pass and you know Uh, which guest house they are staying at sector at sector and they say look we are devotees no 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 i don't care about that you show me so the rishi he gets uh, you know he curses them that you know you are full of fear and suspicion may you be born into worlds of fear and suspicion which is the asuric births basically all those who indulge in violence are very weak in their vital at individual level and collective level they are extremely insecure very very fragile egos so so these two beings uh, you know they have to now go back and uh, become asuras so they go and pray to the lord that look i know we did something we shouldn't have done but what do we do next so uh, lord vishnu says that look you know you had done this once to lakshmi also but nevertheless the curse of a sage is going to bear fruit but you have a choice so what's the choice whichever way wherever you are you will eventually come back to me because that's how you know as should be though in that uttar pada speech he says whatever way uh, men follow eventually i am the one who has a grip over their understanding and their eventually they will come to me and it's there in mother's prayer also uh, that you know each change of seasons everything brings you towards me so um, they say what do we have to do so vishnu says you have one of the two choices you make the choice in your freedom one is the path uh, which is the path of the gods which will take you seven births it's the path of fulfillment evolution transformation change and fullness the other is the quick path where in three births you will come back to me and it's the path of negation of the divine and they choose the shorter path you know so they become in three consecutive births uh, uh, hiranyakashyap and hiranyaksha then ravana and um, meghnath Uh, some people say ravana and kumkarna and then uh, consigns ishupal so they are born and the interesting part is they oppose the divine plan but strangely by opposing the divine plan they draw it closer so to that extent these forces which are at this point active upon earth in their extreme form um, they will also they are bound to eventually get dissolved and go back to the lord but this dissolution they have chosen an extremely violent form which draws in a higher form of grace see this is also there that the greater the darkness the greater the grace that comes to annihilate it and uh, if mm. we look at uh, things from the perspective of darkness everything is bleak if we look at it from the perspective of light you would say that the more extreme the darkness the closer the dawn and uh, of course um, because uh, the worst kinds of darkness which have been buried right in the entrails of the earth in its subconscious and inconscient regions for the first time 
I think the collective yoga has taken up uh, to resolve these extreme uh, possibilities of complete negation of the divine and his work upon earth. So she and Mother and Shubhinda have taken upon themselves the work of uh, neutralizing, dissolving, converting, transforming, whichever way we may say, or depending upon what the forces choose upon themselves. And therefore, they have taken the worst forms in the previous century. Uh, if we look at Hitler, Stalin and these people, ISIS, for, for that matter, we will feel that concerned Ravna where it seems, honestly. <laughs> or all the stories of the past of the Titan and the devils, they look very saintly beings compared to these fellows. So they have come in an extreme form because also at this moment, this is the extreme grace, the very highest grace brought down by Mother and Shurabindo. And because it is there, there is the certitude of the ultimate victory. Because they don't want to leave it for the future. Uh, that well, everything is hunky-dory for maybe 1000, 2000 years. But even a trace of possibility remains in the human consciousness or in the earth consciousness. It will come up again. And uh, it will topple everything. And that's why Shurabindo had ask the mother to dissolve the overmind creation because even at the plane of gods there is that remote possibility of the asuric element creeping and reaching the heavens reaching even kailash reaching even vaikunt these are the worlds of the overmind but still it can reach there and create a disturbance so this time they have brought the highest grace and of course the mother has spoken of this that uh, now there will be no more uh, you know, six times the earth had to be dissolved because it couldn't bear the pressure of these dark forces which will plunge it again and again into extreme forms of darkness. But this time we, she has assured us and um, yes. there are plenty of signs, maybe some other time we can speak about the signs of the new emergence, uh, which indicate that now they are nearing their final resolution or dissolution. And... Um, so this time there will be no pralaya, but a progressive transformation. Because the reason for pralaya is the same as individual death. Individuals die because we cannot follow the terrestrial becoming of the universal self. So our bodies, our minds, is not able to cope up with the change. And the same thing happens at the collective level, that we are not able to cope up with the great flow of the time spirit. And therefore civilizations, groups of humanity, nations, they sink into oblivion. And, uh, you know, Shubindu said that, that all that cannot bear the change uh, is bound to perish and dissolve. So it will happen that many of these forces, groups will emerge and they will be wiped out from the face of the earth and the forces that they embody, that's what is the important part, which is the unique part, because wiping out has happened earlier. But the forces that they embodied and inhabited, they will be dissolved or resolved through a transformatory uh, alchemy. And therefore, there will be no more pralayas. Of course, changes will be there, great changes, maybe uh, massive changes, unprecedented changes, uh, maybe groups of humanity suddenly vanishing, but no large-scale pralaya where almost the entire earth um, or entire humanity mm -hmm. had to be wiped out. So that won't be there. Mother did say that the future of man was not decided yet. 
He is, in fact, he says, Shobindo left it hanging. And I can very much say the same. <laughs> but what they said is something very interesting. Uh, she said uh, at, one, at one point of time, the future of man is not decided yet, but they also said, but the, but the earth will be saved. Yes. Yeah. Which means that what it means when we put the two statements together and other statements of the mother. It means that there is a section of humanity which is will become more and more open and receptive to the new light. It may or may not recognize Sri Aurobindo and the mother or, you know, call them as avatars. That's not what is important. Uh, that's a privilege of, you know, those who are really very, very privileged and fortunate. But that's not what is important. It's enough to have aspiration for peace, for love, for unity, for harmony, for beauty to manifest upon earth, for a terrestrial perfection. And there are people who are open to the new forces who will be taken up and integrated with the new being. Now, what is not decided it, what happens to those who cannot be thus integrated? Will humanity collapse? But the problem with that is the mediating link will be lost. So later on, I don't remember when she said this, but this is after 62. She said she had suddenly a vision of humanity and what's going to happen. So she says that between those who will be taken up and integrated with the you know, forces of new light and new consciousness and will evolve into a new humanity. And that part of humanity which has become like uh, an abortive attempt which is going to be disintegrated and absorbed back into the animal, they will emerge a new human humanity which will be far more harmonious and beautiful. Uh, I mean, if I may use an Indian term, it will be more sattvic. It, it won't be spiritual and supramentalized, but it will be very, very open to the spiritual and supramental light. And from there, uh, you know, beings will be picked up for the new race. Which means that between the animal and the supramental, there will be a beautiful layer of humanity buttressing the two. Almost uh, a gradation. Gradation. Rather than, as of now, a layer of humanity which, because of the mind, literally fell from the spontaneity of the animal to a far worse thing. So you see, that's the problem. Um, we say that it's a drag from the animal past, but in animal you don't feel that this is undivine. When a tiger uh, even kills a man, you know, recently, you don't feel it's an undivine act. Right. It acts spontaneously, without any crookedness, without evil, without the will to destroy, without the will to injure and harm. But with the mind, the cunning, the deceit, all that has come in. So that layer is bound to disappear. And uh, But there will be a human link, but much more beautiful humanity, which is not yet ready for the supramental, but will be like a beautiful buttressing layer out of which more and more will be taken up in the supramental uh, humanity or the superhumanity of tomorrow or today. <laughs> well, we have many sessions on savagery, yes. but I think in for me in book 11, Sri shows us that progression so beautifully. Yes, yes, yes. How the higher kind will Yes, yes, up. yes. More and more mind shall enter into the light. Minds lit, inspired, the occult summoner here. The borders of the ignorance shall recede. In bodies and bodies, from different places. In bodies and bodies shall be kindled the sacred birth. And then at 
toward the end he says so beautiful magical lines um, in fact that whole thing that this is of course the secret yes, knowledge yes, yes and i think that would be a fitting maybe a close to this uh, this yes. aspect when darkness deepens strangling the earth's breast and man's corporeal mind is the only guide only lamp as a thieves in the night shall be the covert tread of one who steps unseen into his own house and then he speaks of a charm and sweetness and open life's voice a voice ill heard shall speak the soul obey uh, a charm and sweetness open life's closed doors and beauty conquer the resisting world and then it goes on and toward the end he says if you shall see what none yet understands god shall grow, grow up god shall grow up while the wise while the man. wise men talk and sleep for man shall not know the coming till its hour and belief shall be not till the work is done so i think we will uh, because we'll have more occasions to touch upon yes. this aspect yes. but uh, you know so basically it is like you know when we turn to mother and shivindu it's a message of great hope everything ultimately leads us towards the divine that's the beauty of yes. uh, if i may use a much much lower down term the integral vision and integral philosophy <laughs> i hate to use the word philosophy <laughs> but their integral vision and uh, with that line of savitri we can end uh, both love and death conspire towards one great end namaste namaste <laughs>